0: Cool. Good morning. Welcome to Hiawatha Church. My name is Caleb, and I am not one of the regulars who's normally up here. So last week, if you were here, you heard Jesse preach, who's another one of the elders. And a couple times a year, we like to give Chris and Spencer uh, a break from preaching. And so somehow this year, I drew Fourth of July and Thanksgiving weekend. So I don't know what I get for that. But uh, no, I'm really excited to be here with y'all this morning. And uh, just, just really humbled to be able to, to get to stand up here and, and uh, share the Word of God with you this morning. Uh, quickly about myself, oh, there's, if you haven't left yet, go do that. Uh, these are, this is our zoo, uh, back at back at our house, so these are, my wife Ellen and I have three boys, Luke, Truman, and Fletcher, so they were, we're trying to do all giraffes, but our middle child wanted to be a monkey, uh, so that's, yeah, is that, 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 that's us, um, pretty fun. We've been here for about nine years at, at Hiawatha Church. And uh, just so thankful for this community and uh, to just get to do life alongside of you all. Um, so to do a little kind of series intro then, uh, if you're new or visiting, I know there's uh, some, some probably visitors here because of the holiday. Uh, we're in the Gospel of John. We've been in this series for about a year. Um, and we've just had... Um, we're going to end around Easter, but we've had a lot of time just to kind of see Jesus' life, and now we're really getting to kind of the, the crux of, of what's going on in the series. So I've personally really enjoyed the series of John, uh, just because I think John really writes intentionally, um, and there's so many different ways that he weaves his language that we just get to see the gospel shown in new light. And so um, it can be overwhelming to know where to start sometimes, but also it can be really encouraging as we see the depth and breadth of the gospel. So this week is no different. Um, We're going to be jumping in to John 14, 15 through 31, uh, and I've titled the sermon Because He Lives. Um, So this week we're going to dive in and and spin the diamond of the gospel together and hopefully um, find some encouragement for our often tired and and weary souls. So if you have a, there's Bibles in the pews in front of you, if you want to pull up an app on your phone or you can follow along on the slides and the screen as well as we read this. All right, John 14, 15 through 31. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer walk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. All right, let's pray. God, um, I I just pray for us this morning as, as we... Um, look at your word as we see the ways that that you talk about your helper the Holy Spirit coming Um, as as Jesus is just using language to to help his disciples understand that something greater is happening Uh, and now that we get to see that in full picture and clarity God would that encourage our our hearts would we just uh, be lifted by the hope that comes through the gospel this morning Um, God uh, I pray that you would just work through these words that I will share this morning, um, God, that anything that is untrue uh, would just be forgotten, and the things that, that are true, um, the gospel would resonate and ring true, and that that's what would encourage us here this morning. So we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, one other quick thing before I jump in. I wrote most of this with a 103-degree fever on Wednesday, so if any of it comes really unclear, uh, just let me know. But <laughs> Also, if I have to hop on mutes because I still have a cough, so anyways... That's uh, just, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just trying to. <laughs> okay, so let's jump in here. So the first question that I had was, uh, when we read this, the, the very first thing that Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so this is kind of a standalone point from the rest of the sermon, but I just wanted to try to dig in a little bit uh, to kind of, what what does this mean? Because this is a pretty strong imperative from Jesus, and it's, and it's right here at the beginning of the passage. So. Um, As we've been saying throughout this whole series in John, the way John writes this book is intentional. Uh, So we should look around for other places where Jesus talks about commandments. And uh, we can go right back to John chapter 13, so just a chapter before this or just a few weeks ago if you've been here. Uh, John chapter 13, uh, verses 34 through 35, if we pull that up here. So Jesus is, again, talking to his disciples in the same room, so this happened probably just, you know, few minutes, few hours beforehand, and he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So what, what's the commandment here? It's, it's to love one another, just as Christ has already loved us. And, and that's the primary way that others will know that we are followers of Christ. By the way that we have love for one another. Um, so a- another way that we could look at it then, uh, the commandment at the beginning here is, so Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments or said another way. If you love me, you will love one another just as I have loved you. You also will love one another. And so do you notice kind of then, um, I don't know about you, but my, my heart's always quick to turn these into like heavy-handed things that now I must go do, you know, kind of a a do this or else type type of um commandment. But the way that Jesus talks about this, and when I when I read it that way, it feels less like a do this or else and, and more like an expectation that this is just gonna happen when Jesus loves you. Um that when we're loved by Jesus, this this is absolutely going to happen. Um that he's able to work in the midst of our doubts and our failures and, um, and, and the way that we mess up, and yet he still loves us. And somehow because of that, we're able to love each other. Um, I found that to be really true here at Hiawatha and the love that I've experienced from all of you. And um, I, I heard someone use an example the other day. I thought it was helpful. If it's not helpful for you, you can forget it. But, uh, so an example that's maybe familiar to me uh, say you have, you know, three three kids, and uh, one of them starts crying in the middle of the night, and uh, maybe, you know, wet the bed, turned on their light, woke up their parents and their siblings. Maybe this happened last week. Uh, <laughs> is that too specific? <laughs> well, let's say your kids wake you up in the middle of the night, and uh, are, you, are you gonna ignore them? You know, if you're a parent in the room, are you gonna ignore your kid? Maybe sometimes you will, but uh, <laughs> most of the time, you're not gonna ignore your child, your, your crying child who wants you. You're going to go meet their needs. And that comes out of your identity as, as a parent, that you're just doing it because you're a parent, because you love your child. And I think in the same way as a Christian, when we love other believers, again, to go back to that heavy-handed of a commandment, I, I, a lot of times I don't have to sit there and decide, like, oh, should I love this person or not? It just happens because it's our identity, it's who we are as Christians. Like, we, we want to love each other. And, and so, yes, we are called to love one another, and that is a commandment that Jesus has given us. And no, we, we don't always do it well, and we fail each other, and, and we, we can sin against each other a lot. But I think just knowing that as our identity changes, when Christ changes your identity, that's where Jesus can say, this is the commandment, go love each other. Go do that now because I've loved you. I've already done the hard work of saving you from your sins, and so now you get to live out of that and love each other. One other just way just to, to kind of bring this down even a little bit more, um, another way that i like that jesus talked about it and this is why i was in the title of the sermon is so later in the passage jesus says because i live you also will live in that day you will know that i am in my father and you and me and i in you so because jesus lives we get to live and because he lives we get jesus and it's this perfect circle and isn't that amazing that that's how the change happens not, not of our own will or us kind of mustering up enough strength to go now and follow Jesus' new commands. But, but as we transform from the inside out, as Jesus transforms us, that's what makes us completely new. So Chris did a much better job preaching on this a few weeks ago. Uh, so if you want to go dive deeper kind of into that commandment, I would encourage you to go back and, and listen to that sermon. But uh, one of my favorite illustrations, again, that he used was Christ's love being at the top and flowing down to us. And then from there spreading out uh, among all of us, um, but it has to come from Christ first. It's not, it's not this two-way highway of, of our love going back up to Christ and then his coming back down to us. It's Christ's love just coming one way to us, and then we get to reflect that to each other, and I just think that's such a beautiful picture. So that's how we live out this commandment. That's how we love one another. We have to first be loved by Christ, because um, we, I don't know about you, but I, I feel out loving others frequently. Uh, we, we won't show love the way that we should. Um, but because our identity is transformed by Christ, we can, and and we should strive to to love one another. So, all right, that's kind of mini sermonette number one, kind of point point number one there. Um, So, after kind of addressing that, the next place I wanted to move then was just kind of addressing what's going on overall here in the passage. Um, So, again, remembering this is all pre-cross. I think Jesse shared uh, this about 12 hours before Jesus is going to die. So, Jesus knows this is imminent in, in comings. And I would imagine at this point the disciples are starting to get glimpses of what Jesus is talking about, but also might be pretty confused at, hey, what's, what's going on here, Jesus? Can you help give us some clarity on, on what you mean? So here's two different verses in the passage where I think um, Jesus does a pretty good job of, of starting to give some clarity. Uh, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And at the end of the passage, he says, And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. So let's remember what's going on here. Jesus is about to die. He is preparing his disciples for this. He's telling them that he won't be with them much longer. And yet he's also encouraging them and telling them that even if he leaves, that will be much better. Um, Again, I don't know if I were about you, but if I were one of the disciples, I think I'd be pretty confused. Um, They're still thinking that Jesus is going to conquer the world and rule physically somehow or throw the Romans out of out of their kind of territorial land Um, they they didn't have the knowledge that Jesus was speaking of yet so if we look at those highlighted sections in here um, I think all all of this was kind of pointing to this knowledge that is to come Uh, he will teach them all things he will bring to remembrance all that he has said to them Um, he told them so that they would believe when it takes place and what is the, let's just get really crystal clear here, what is the it that must take place? It's the cross. It's, it's Jesus dying and suffering in our place, and he is telling them this will happen, that he, he is going to do something new. So uh, we're going to do this a couple times here in, in, the, uh, in the rest of the sermon here today, but we're going to kind of jump ahead to some New Testament passages that then I think help bring clarity to what Jesus is saying and talking about here Uh, in this John passage, because again, we're we're pre-cross, and so he's speaking in kind of veiled terms. And so I I think it's really helpful to see where the New Testament then reads itself and shows exactly what's happening. So one place we're going to go to first is 2 Corinthians, um, and these two different passages, I wanted to put a lot more up here, but I couldn't just sit here and just like read the Bible. I mean, I could just read the Bible at you for an hour, but uh, we'd probably I'll get a little bored. So, uh, there's two two great passages here though that we're going to go through and then kind of unpack a little bit. So, Second Corinthians two fourteen through fifteen says, "But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and leads us and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere, for we are the aroma of Christ." to God among those who are being saved, and among those who are perishing. And then to get even a little bit clearer, just one chapter later in 2 Corinthians 3, 4 through 6, such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So I wanted to just read like all of chapter three. You should go do that on your own because it's really great. But Paul Paul really starts to dig into calling the the old the old covenant the the covenant of death uh, and the new covenant the covenant of life in the spirit. Uh, and it paints this beautiful picture of what Christ has done because um, he he really starts to dive into. If you all remember, you know, Moses goes up into Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments and comes down and his face is glowing and people can't look at him because they will go blind because that's how amazing the glory of God was that Moses had been in the presence of God. And Paul just unpacks talking about, you know, if that's how great the glory was of this covenant that brought death, where, where the law could not bring life, uh, how much more amazing is this new covenant of life um, that comes by the Spirit that gets to be directly in us, and that brings life forever. And so it's just just this really beautiful picture, I think, of of Paul just really kind of explicitly talking about this is what Jesus meant. This is what it looks like to, to believe in this new covenant, to believe in Jesus. So to just spell things out really clearly here, Jesus is telling his disciples back in John now that they will know that when the Spirit comes, um, it's all going to make sense. The, the law is passing away and is now replaced by a new covenant, one of grace and love, grace that can only come from what Jesus is about to do on the cross. One other kind of interesting thing about the passage is, is Jesus kind of even starts to allude to his suffering. I don't have it up here on the screen, but he tells them that he won't speak much longer with them. And you can almost kind of imagine him just the, the weightiness of that and, and what, they're, you know, what, what that means. Um, and he, he repeats that several times in the, in the uh, passages that are coming up. So you can just kind of keep that in mind the next few weeks as we're, as we're preaching through this. But just talks about how he's going to be silent um, and he won't speak much longer with them. But you can kind of see Jesus' suffering in that. When, when you know the, you know, so if you know the rest of the story, Jesus is going to go silently before his um, captors. Um, he's not going to speak much and he's going to be beaten and bloodied and hung up on a cross and silently suffer for us. And he says the ruler of this world is coming but he has no claim on me. Jesus knows that he's going to be taken and bound and beaten and pierced for us up on the cross. And that is the the event, the it that has to happen to have all of this make sense. The disciples are going to look back and be like, oh gosh, <laughs> now we get it. You know, like now, now like, okay, all the things Jesus was saying, were like, what do you mean? You know, Judas is asking like, Jesus, how are you going to leave us, but still come back to us? And how are we gonna? How are you not gonna see us? But we're we're gonna see you, um, and and it's gonna make sense because Jesus is the answer. He is the one who's talked about through all the Old Testament. He is the true answer to to everything. So that's why Jesus can say with confidence. Because uh, I, I thought this was interesting that Jesus is also just encouraging them throughout this that he's telling them like, hey, there's gonna be these bad things that are gonna happen, but it's all gonna make sense. Don't worry. So right, right, in, right after verse 26, where Jesus tells them he's going away, he then turns around and tells them, But my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And I think it's, uh, the disciples probably didn't know to be really freaked out at this point, but they're about to be very troubled. Because uh, when, when Jesus dies, they're all going to go hide up in a room and be terrified that they're all going to be killed. Um, they're going to see Jesus taken, um, and yet he tells them that he gives them peace, but not in a way that they would expect, not in financial peace or personal, like, hey, your whole life is perfect and everything's happy, peace, but peace in only a way that Jesus can give. So not, not as the world gives, does Jesus give peace, but peace that comes through a hope that's, that's beyond this world. So why why does Jesus say we can have this peace though? What what is different about Jesus' peace that, that that comes that's different from what the world offers? And why can Jesus say this so boldly right here when when his disciples are on the eve of probably being the most un at peace that they're going to be? Um, and that's where we get to talk about the helper, the Holy Spirit. So um I want to read this part right here because again, I think I just love taking the perspective of the disciples because I think I would just be so confused if I were them. But um, Jesus telling them, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while the world will see me no more, but you will see me. And because I live, you also will live. So again, as disciples are probably trying to understand what the heck is going on here. Um, but it's all just really interconnected in, in a really beautiful way. Um, and it's a great promise for us when we, when we feel alone. Jesus, he's not going to leave us as, as orphans. Um, he's going to come to us. And he's going to come to us um, as a helper. But what, one other kind of quick thing here is um, Jesus telling them, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you, is interesting because Jesus is already with them. <laughs> and so they're probably thinking, well, why, so you're going to leave But you're not going to leave us, but you're going to come to us, but it's going to look different than what we expect. And so that's where we get to talk about the helper and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus sends a helper, and this helper, Jesus says, will be with us forever. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And then related, Jesus says, You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. So do you see what's what's happening here? Where Jesus is saying that he will go away, but then will come to us, and that this is the Holy Spirit that, that's coming to us, dwelling in us, and, and revealing the truth of the gospel. He calls uh, you know the Helper, even the Spirit of Truth. So, what what is this Spirit about? It's about revealing truth to us. And what what is the truth? It's it's the truth of the gospel. Um, I was reading a commentary and uh, in, in kind of preparing for this, and I thought there was a helpful quote in one of them. So um, I'm just gonna gonna read it out here. But Sweet uh, uh, Ford, I don't remember, David David Ford. He's the guy who wrote this one. So he he says. John's insistence that the Spirit could not be given to the disciples until after the death of Jesus, together with the strong identification of Jesus with the Spirit, suggests that the most straightforward way of understanding the Spirit is as a shared, distributed, indwelling presence of the crucified and risen Jesus, who is at one with the Father. I just want to read that last part again. The most straightforward way of understanding the Spirit is as a shared, distributed in dwelling presence of the crucified and risen Jesus, who is at one with the Father. Isn't that really encouraging? Isn't that great, rich gospel imagery that Jesus sends us his spirit to dwell in us? And it's, it's the spirit of the crucified and risen Christ, um, that we, we get to have that inside of us and that, again, that's how we live, um, because he died and rose again. That's how we get to live. God gives us Himself. He doesn't give us a list of rules, a list of do's and don'ts in order to receive the Spirit. We simply get Him because we know Him. Um, Jesse actually shared, started to kind of go down this path a little bit last week, and, and I kind of want to pick it up and, and do the same thing here again this week. But um, we're going to jump ahead again to the New Testament, but go ahead into Acts when the disciples actually do receive uh, the Holy Spirit for the first time. Um, and just to kind of set the stage for you a little bit before we read those verses. Um, so, you know, you might remember or you might not, the disciples receive the Holy Spirit. There's these flaming tongues of fire that, that come down to the room that they're in. Um, and they kind of head out, out to the city and there's these massive crowds and they start preaching the gospel. And, and Peter really preaches the first sermon. But what's amazing about it is that they're all speaking uh, in the native tongues of everyone who's listening to them. And so everyone's like... Are they drunk with wine, or what's going on? Why can I understand them? Um, but it's it's really cool because you know just another quick aside that that's I always find really encouraging about this moment is it's really reflective of the Tower of Babel too, where you know everyone was working together to try to build up to God, and then He disperses them by changing other languages, and so almost now God reversing that and bringing the, the true the the true thing that they all need to unify on, which is the gospel. So, um, anyways, quick aside there, but. So Peter then basically preaches the first sermon, and then at the end, uh, in Acts, this is what we read. So this is Acts 2, 32 through 39. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend For the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord, our God, calls to Himself. I just I find this so encouraging because you just get to really see it come full circle that this is exactly what Jesus said would happen. That after He died, the Spirit would come. But why does the Spirit come? So that people can know the truth of the gospel. The promise is for you and for your children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. Um, it's just, it's so much different than the old covenant. This is a new thing that Jesus has done, and it's for everyone, and it's um, perfect, and it's forever. And so, to, so as believers of Christ, we, we all get access to this. There, there's no special hoops to jump through. You just have to be loved by Christ, and you get to be with him forever. And then to make it even a little bit more personal, um, going to Galatians 2.20 where this is Paul again, so another, another letter in the New Testament. Paul saying, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I just thought this ties in really well right here because Where we're at in the story of John, again, we're we're pre-cross. The disciples still don't know that Jesus is going to die, and they still haven't connected all of the dots. So in Galatians, Paul can give us an even more explicit picture of what it means to have Christ in us. Because of what he did on the cross, um, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And that life that I now live, I get to live by faith in the Son of God. So, our mortal bodies are carried and sustained by the Spirit of God. And that, that's amazing news. And I just—I want you to hear that this morning. that um, That's just really, really great news. Um, so again, to, to make this even maybe a little bit more personal now. Uh, so if you didn't know, this, is the pa- this passage in John is where the song Because He Lives come from. Uh, I don't know if you all are familiar with that or not. It's been around for a while now. But, uh, so you might be familiar with the song. Well, what I didn't know was some of the story behind the song. So it was written by Bill and Gloria Gaither, which might be a throwback for some of you. Uh, this song has, uh, it's been included in a lot of hymnals, and uh, it's just r- really kind of popular. in, in Christ- There's like lots of different versions of it out there, but there's um, a cool story that I wanted to read. So this is in one of the hymnals that the, the song was included in. They wrote this little excerpt ahead of the song. Sorry, I'm taking another drink here. So they write, Because He Lives, 1971, was written in the midst of social upheaval, threats of war, and betrayals of national and personal trust. It was in this world at such a time that we were bringing our third little baby. Assassinations, drug traffic, and war monopolized the headlines. It was in the midst of this kind of uncertainty that the assurance of the Lordship of the risen Christ blew across our troubled minds like a cooling breeze in the parched desert. Holding our tiny son in our arms, we were able to write how sweet to hold our newborn baby and feel the pride and joy he gives, but greater still, the calm assurance this child can face on certain days because he lives. I don't know about you guys, but I, I so often feel um, not at ease in life. <laughs> I, I can just feel a lot of anxiety and worry Um I, I sometimes joke that my favorite book in the Bible is Ecclesiastes because I just resonate with it the most. <laughs> All is vanity. Uh, and uh, there's nothing new under the sun. But um, there's also great encouragement in this. Um, that, that, like, there's nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun. And those same threats that were faced 50 years ago, that they lamented this song as they wrote about it. And 50 years might seem long to some of you, not that long to, to others of you. But um, those same threats faced 50 years ago are a lot of the same things we're facing now. I mean, do you, do you find yourself feeling anxious and feeling lonely? I saw some survey, like 50% of people in America uh, say they feel lonely, like consistently. Um, do you feel depressed? Do you have a hard time getting excited about things in life sometimes? I know I feel all those things throughout, throughout my life, and we're, we're not immune to these things as Christians. Um, I'm, I'm for sure not. So this song, written 50 years ago, we can still relate to those emotions that they were feeling as they penned pen those lyrics. Um, and again, I'm not not here to tell you what's good and bad for you, but I know for me, you know, I can just be trying to numb myself from the world scrolling social media or you know watching watching football, too much football sometimes, and uh, we can just let ourselves become numb to what's going on or filled with anxiety and worry. Um, and it can just be easy to start to fall into this place of questioning everything, uh, where you're like, what, what is this all about? What, what is the point of my life? Why Why am I here? What's, what's my purpose? And doubt, just starting to doubt, like, does my life have any meaning or worth or purpose? And then this is the great news, that, that because of Christ, because we have the helper, because Jesus did go and die on the cross, Um, and that we can have the Spirit of God dwelling inside of us and ministering to our weary souls, we can have hope, and we can sing the chorus of that song. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future, and life is worth the living just because he lives. So if you're struggling to believe that right now, um, that's okay, too. And I just want to give you another encouragement. One of the biggest kind of cool breezes of the gospel to to blow over my mind in kind of recent history was just this realization that Jesus loves me the same no matter how I currently feel about my relationship with him. I don't know about you, but a lot of times I used to, if I was feeling really out of it, if I had sinned really bad, or if I was really frustrated or whatever, if I was feeling distant from God, then I attributed that to God must be distant from me right now. He he must not, his love must be a little bit different for me right now because I'm feeling out of it. And then if I was feeling really good, if I had just done something really awesome and I was kind of riding a high in life, I was like, wow, God, we're doing great. Like, this is awesome. Like, <laughs> I'm in a great spot with you. Like, life is awesome. But that that's not how Jesus' love for you works. He loves you the same every single day, every single second, exactly where you're at. He wants you. No matter how far you run or how bad you mess up or how sick you get or whatever it is that's going on in your life, Jesus loves you just because he loves you. And that's never changing and it's always the same. And that is the best hope I know to give you this morning. So, on your best day, on your worst day, Jesus died on the cross for you and he lives um, and so that by His Spirit, we can, we can face tomorrow. So, how about the church? Um, what I want to leave you with this morning is just take heart. Take heart that we have a Savior who lives, that He died, that He rose again, that He ascended to the right hand of the Father and sent us His Holy Spirit. And so that because jesus lives we can live just rest in in the simple peace of that this week um, and may the peace of christ that surpasses all understanding rule in your hearts this week let's pray god um thank you for your word thanks that um you are good and true and that the things that you say are true God thinks that you love us, um, even when we're far from you. Would that truth just encourage us all the more um, this this week? And um, as as we continue to just go about our lives, would we just be always encouraged and sustained by that simple truth of the gospel that you love us just because you love us? And then that's where real heart change and transformation happens in our lives. So thank you, God, for that amazing love. And uh pray that we would just Um, that that would sink in here now as we, we sing a few more songs together. Amen.